Welcome to the Potter's House North podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by today's message. I'm going to call today's message, Keeping It Real, because uh, in the book of Acts, it talks about, and it, it paints for us the picture of what real Christianity should look like. And uh, in a time like this, in a season that we're living in, 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 in the year, in the last 12, 13, 14 months that we have uh, come through, uh, it, is, it is imperative that we don't lose sight of the church and what we are called to be. And there is definitely a clear picture of what real Christianity looks like. And as you look into the book of Acts, we are, giving a glim- we are given a glimpse of, uh, of what the first church, the early church, looked like. In, in 33 AD, when Jesus died uh, on the cross, when he rose again and he went uh, back to heaven, uh, there were only a handful of disciples. There were uh, 120 uh, disciples, and yet within... 300 years, 120 believers began to dominate the Roman Empire. Even Caesar himself became a Christian. Christianity uh, then became the official religion of that uh, of the entire known world. And and my question is, how did that happen? They only had 120 believers. How did how did that happen? How did they grow? Uh, so exponentially? How did they grow so fast? And, um, and that, that's interesting to me. And here's why it's interesting to me, because uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking, how did they grow like that when uh, even back at, at the beginning stages of that, it was illegal to be a Christian. And so those who were Christians, they were under uh, an intense a pressure. They were uh, intensely uh, persecuted. As a matter of fact, it was it was uh, what wasn't a good way uh, for you to get ahead in life. As a matter of fact, being a Christian back in that day, it was a good day. It was a good way for you to lose your head and your life. And uh, more often than not, if they discovered that you uh, were a Christian, they would take you and they would uh, they would crucify you. They would turn you upside down and 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 nail you to a cross. They would they would persecute you ruthlessly. They would throw you into the lion's den, and people would watch as the lions uh, were coming to eat you and it it just it just wasn't something that you uh, really did uh, if you were not all the way committed. It was not just a socially uh, a, a nice thing to do. And uh, you didn't worry about seeker-friendly people back then because everybody would stay away from that unless they were fully committed to it in their hearts. And yet, in spite of all of that, yet within 300 years, Christianity dominated the entire world. World. I'm going to say that again, in spite of all of the, 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 the torment and, and the persecution that they went through, it grew in the middle of the fight. The book of Acts is the story of the first church. The, the book of Acts is the story of the first church. And so today, what I want to do for the next few moments is I just want to look back um, at what the original church looked like. And I want to point out some of the characteristics that, that, that uh, real Christianity possessed uh, because today so much is, is uh, done in the name of Christianity. It's done in, in the name of Jesus. It's done, uh, you know, in, in the name of God. And yet I believe that some of that, the things that are done, even God himself would look at them and he would say, wait, wait a minute, that, that, that's not me. That's, 
that's not how I would do it. That's not how I think. That's not how I feel. That's, that's fake Christianity. And, and that, is, that is not the real deal. And, and before you immediately take that, that word fake Christianity and, and before you start in your self-righteousness, uh, you start putting in pe people in piles because they don't meet uh, your standards necessarily. Uh, let me tell you, everybody that slips into error, um, it, you, you, it's not, you can't call them fake. Sometimes uh, they are in error because they erred along the way. That doesn't mean that their heart is twisted and they're fake and they're phony. Many times uh, people err or they miss the mark or they fall short of the goal uh, or, or they... They, they, they don't finish the race like they need to finish it. And, and, and sometimes it's because the goal has been, has been distorted or ill-defined or the goal is uh, indistinguishable or maybe it is dull. It's, it, it, it's possible that, you know, like a picture when you take a picture of a picture of a picture of a picture, uh, you lose generations. And, and, and the last picture is not as clear and sharp as the first picture was. And so uh, it can, it, what, what ends up happening is that it, it moves further and further away from the original image, uh, which uh, it, it is a, leaves it with a greater chance that the quality of the picture is going to be lost. And so today I want to write the vision. I said all that to say today I want to write the vision and I want to make it plain and I want to point out some things to us because if we're going to serve God and if we're going to call ourselves the church, if we're going to call ourselves the people of God, the bride of Christ, if we are going to claim all of those things I'm saved, set free and delivered, uh, I think it's important that we get a clear view over the, the characteristics in our life that God expects out of us. And so uh, this is what Acts chapter 2, it, it, it tells us. It tells us that the early church, you could write it down if you want to, the early church possessed uh, supernatural power. The early church uh, possessed supernatural power. They did not just talk about God. Uh, they experienced God and it was out of that experience that God would make himself known to them. And so it, it, it is that experience uh, that sat upon the church that makes the church different from every other organization. We, we have the Holy Spirit that, that sets uh, down on top of us, which actually sets us apart from, from things like Apple or from things like Microsoft or from things like uh, the United States government or uh, stores like Walmart or, or some of these other organizations. What makes our organization different is because the Holy Spirit is among us. He gave, he, God gave his spirit to his church. I said, God gave his spirit to his church. And if you go back to Acts chapter one, you're going to see that for 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus, that he stayed upon the earth and he hung out with his followers. He walked with them and he talked with them and he, he shared things about his kingdom with them. And he told them, he said, I'm, I'm going to be taken up. I'm going to return to my father. He said, but let me tell y'all something. He said, I got some things that I want you to do now. He said, I, I, I've got some things that I, some things I, I'm assigning to you. And and you're going to need to do them, but you will not be able to do them without my power, without the Holy Spirit coming up on you. So he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, which was where he was talking to them. He said, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait right here for the promise of my father. In other words, don't leave until the father sends you the very thing that he promised that he was going to send you. He said, I, I'm going to go back to heaven. And he said, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to come back in spirit form. And when I do, uh, 
up when I come back in spirit form. I will not only be, be with you, uh, I will be in you. So he goes on in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and he tells them, here's what's going to happen. You will receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. He's saying to us that the Holy Spirit is going to give you, he's saying to, to the church, he's saying to, the, to those who were his followers, he was saying that the Holy Spirit is going to give you the power that you need in order to do the assignment that I am leaving you to do. But here's the first thing you have to know. You have to wait on the Holy Spirit to come. So he's telling them you have to wait on him. You have to wait on him. And, and that is exactly what they did. They waited and they prayed and they waited and they prayed and they prayed and they waited. What were they waiting on, Pastor Brady? They were waiting on the power that they needed to do what God had assigned them to do. If God ever calls you to do something, make sure that you wait and you pray and you ask him for the power to do what he has called you to do. Otherwise, you're going in your own might. You're going in your own strength. You're going in your own power. And let me tell you, I don't, how, I don't care how good you are. It is never going to be enough. You need the power of the Holy Spirit on your life. So what does this show me? This shows me that there is a direct connection between power and prayer. There's a direct connection between power and prayer. A prayerless life equals a powerless life. Let me say it again. A prayerless life equals a powerless life. So if we do not pray, then we will not have power. I said if we do not pray, we will not have power. Why? Because if we do not pray, we're not plugged in to the Holy Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit in order for us to have power. I got tickled at myself this week because uh, I had unplugged all the things at my house that that I wasn't uh, that, that I wasn't going to use or uh, I thought I could unplug until I got ready to use them. And so I went in the kitchen and unplugged things, uh, unplugged the can opener, unplugged the, the toaster and, and things like that. And so I, I decided a little bit later I was going to go back in there and I was going to put a bagel in the toaster. So I went and I went to put the bagel in the toaster and I'm I'm pushing it down and it's not working and I'm trying to push buttons and I'm, I'm just trying. See, I hate things with lots of buttons, okay? Because I just like want a button that says on, off, do it, don't do it, but, you know, don't give me all these fancy options. And so I'm just like, this is not working. I just want my bagel to be toasted. And, and I couldn't get it to work. And then it dawns on me, oh, hey, you unplugged the toaster from the power source. So listen, listen to me. Uh, I couldn't get what I wanted because what I, what I wanted wasn't connected to the power. Ooh, are y'all listening to me? This is what I want you to understand. We have to be connected to the power. We can say we are believers. We can say that we've asked Christ to come into our hearts. We can, we can quote scriptures. We can memorize scriptures. We can pray for people. But like my toaster, if we are not plugged into the power source, we will have no power. So Jesus said, I want you to pray. And I want you to not only pray, but I want you to wait until my supernatural power comes and rests on you. I want you to wait till my power rests on you. And I want you to pray. Well, what do I pray, Pastor Brady? Well, you know what? You pray like children do. You, you come to him as a child. Little children are not diplomatic. 
okay? They, my grandchildren are not diplomatic. It doesn't matter who's in my office. If they come and they want to come in, here they come. If nobody stops them, they're going to come running right into the office, especially the two littlest ones, because they don't have that kind of, of, of diplomacy. They just come in and they blurt out, what Gigi, whatever it is that they want. Never mind that we're in a conversation. Never mind that we have guests. It doesn't matter to them because to them, I am their Gigi. So they come in, they blurt it out. They believe that it's going to happen. And guess what? They end up receiving it. My, my grandkids, they, 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 they burst into the room. They believe and they receive. And they come boldly to the throne of grace. And hello, my name is Miss Grace. And that's where they come. They come because they believe that I have the power to fix it. And when they come in, what do they do? They obtain help in the time of need. And a miracle happens for them. Why? Because they are plugged in right here to the heart, to the source of my power. And because they're plugged in, I make the miracle happen for them because we are connected. When we need miracles, we need to plug into prayer and we need the Holy Spirit to rest on us so that we will have the power uh, uh, to, to get what we need, to obtain what we need from God. Now, the, uh, the arrival of God's Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and if you read Acts 1 and 2, you'll, you'll get this, but the arrival of the Spirit uh, on the day of Pentecost, it actually uh, is accompanied by three miracle, three miraculous signs, and I want to point them out to you. Acts 2 and 1 is where I'm going to read. And the, and the Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place, all 120 of them. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all of the house where they were sitting. Notice that it doesn't say that there came a, a, a rushing mighty wind. No, it says there came a sound of a rushing mighty wind. Now, if we're not careful, we'll get so caught up in thinking about the rushing mighty wind that we, that we missed the whole point that the word tells us it was a sound. It was a sound from heaven. It was a noise that just started happening in the house. So, so there's a noise that's going on in the house where those 120 people are, and, and, and yet they can't see where it has originated from. And, and the Bible says in verse 3, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. So now you've got 120 people that are standing there in a room that is all kinds of noise is happening, but now they've got this little light over their head. Uh, it, it, it doesn't say, here again, we want to say, it appeared unto them cloven tongues like, like as a fire, and it sat on each of them. So let's say that there was a light that was, you know, like we people go to concerts today, and they, if the room is dark, they turn off their, they, uh, the, and they turn off the lights. They, they lift up their phone, and you got thousands of lights that are shining. So imagine 120 people there, and they're standing there uh, with with little lights over their heads. So that that's miraculous, right there. Number three. They are all filled with the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in different languages. So on the first day of, of God's church being established, he gave them three signs. Number one, they have a noise that sounds like a hurricane that is going on in the house. Number two, they have a bright flame over their lives. It's over every, each and every person. And number three, everyone is speaking in a foreign language. What are those miraculous signs pointing to? Jesus is saying right there, I am starting my church today 
but I will be the one that builds it. My church is going to be powerful. My church, number two, is going to be on fire. Number three, my church is to be multicultural. I say powerful because whenever you hear uh, uh, an enormous sound, you always think of power. Whenever, I, whenever you hear a plane going uh, over your house, it's that far away, but you can still hear that enormous sound that's because there's some powerful engines on that plane he says I, my church is going to have supernatural power and then he goes on and he says my church is going to be on fire because I'm going to mark my church with that flame over their head I in other words I'm going to set my church on fire and when I do you will become attractive there's something about a fire that can can be attractive and so it will attract people will come from everywhere just to see what is going on with the fire so when I put my mark on you you will be so on fire that you will become attractive to people who are tired of living in the smoke they're ready to see some real fire when I put that on you you will be able to lead the way now you will be able because there's a light on you do you hear that today there there is a light there's something supernatural on you there is a light that is on you and when that light is on you you can see into things that other people can't always see you can see into spaces that other people can't always see when you have a light so he's saying I'm going I, I, I'm gonna use you to lead the way lead the way in what lead the way I want my church to lead the way in technology I want my church to lead the way in science I want my church to lead the way in business in finances, in agriculture, in government, in the marketplace. I want my church to lead the way in medicine. I want my church to lead the way in education, in music, in arts, in drama. I want my church to lead the way in engineering. I want my church to be at the forefront of every good and perfect gift that has come down from the Father above. And when I set you on fire, you will illuminate the path. You will open the door for other people who could not get the door open for themselves. And when I set you on fire, you will shine like a bright light in the middle of a dark place. And you will be a city that is set up on a hill that cannot be hit. And the reason that I say uh, a multicultural uh, church is because I want God expects us to, to speak in different languages. That's what was happening in that text. I'm, I'm, he said, I'm going to empower you to be you. I'm going to empower you to be who I've called you to be. I'm going to empower you to be gifted like you are gifted. I'm going to send you my spirit and my spirit is going to empower you uh, because you're going to have to have power in your life. Power to, to come over uh, every obstacle. Power. You got to have power over your habits. You got to have power over your hurts. You got to have power over bitterness. You got to have power over disease. You got to have power over the little things that keep you hung up on the same level all the time you got to have power I promised my church that I would give them my power power to let go of your past power to move into your future power to see change happening in your life power in your relationships power to see change happening in your dreams power to bind and loose power to pull down strongholds power to push back spirits of darkness power to lay hands on the and watch them recover power to break yokes to lift burdens power to take it whatever comes your way power to make it power to survive it power to outlast it power to outlive it power to make wise choices power to move the mountain power not to quit power not to fail power I'm gonna send you power so that you can prevail in everything that comes against you I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail because I am putting prevailing power within my church. Woo. Oh, it pays to be in the church. The first mark of the early church 
was supernatural power. And they had power, why? Because they were plugged into the source. The second mark of real Christianity is that it talks everybody's language. I said it talks real Christianity, talks everybody's language. The Bible said in Acts 2 and 4, they were all filled and they were equipped with the Holy Spirit. They were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages that they had never learned. Y'all, I said they were inspired to speak in languages that they had never learned. Now, we have always been taught, or I'll, maybe I should speak for myself, I've, I've been taught my whole life uh, through this text, and I've, I've been taught that this text was about uh, speaking in tongues, but, but speaking in tongues really is a spiritual gift and you could you can read more about that in First Corinthians chapter twelve all the way through chapter fourteen. Um, uh, speaking in tongues is like a private prayer language. It's 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 a language that is your own. And when you find yourself uh, overwhelmed, you you can take that prayer language and you could take it to God. And when you don't even have the right words to say, there is that prayer language that sits down on you. And the Holy Spirit uh, not just prays for us but he prays within us. But, but that is not exactly, uh, in my estimation, really. Uh, now I, I kind of see this a little bit different because I used to think about that, you know, that that's what speaking in tongues was about. But speaking in tongues is a spiritual gift. Go read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 and you will discover that. That, that speaking in tongues is not necessarily uh, what is happening in that room. It's not what they are experiencing in that upper room. They are speaking in real languages, okay? Uh, French can be heard. German can be heard. Swahili can be heard. Korean can be heard. Languages that they never learned, they were speaking. So it's like you have one person that stands here and speaks English, but you've got somebody here that speaks German, that, that, that German is their language, that Spanish is their language, that Swahili is their language. So I am one person speaking uh, in my language, but all three of them with different languages are hearing and comprehending everything that I am saying to them. Verse 5 says it like this. There were religious Jews that were staying in Jerusalem who had come from every country that was in the world. And when they heard this noise, a large crowd gathered. So they were all excited. Who was, all, who was excited? All. They were all excited because all of them heard the believers talking in their own language. It, in amazement and wonder, they exclaimed, these people who are talking like this, they are gal, how can an American be talking in an American voice? And those that only understand Swahili know exactly what that American is saying. It was, it was an incredible experience. They were saying, uh, 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 these people who are talking, uh, they are Galileans. How is it then that all of us, all of us again, hear the speaking in our own native languages? Are y'all following me today? Um, uh, verse chapter 2 and verse 11 says, all of us hear them speaking in our own languages about the great things that God has done. This is the miracle of multicultural communication. It's a miracle. It's the miracle of multi, uh, 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 multicultural uh, communication. God is saying on the very first day that he established his church, I don't want just a black church. I don't want just a white church. I don't want just this church or that church or this church. I expect my church to be multicultural. I am going to do a miracle in my church that shows that the good news is for everybody. It's not just for the rich. It's not just for the poor, but it is for everybody. It's not just 
just for the Jews. It's not for just white people or black people, brown or yellow people. No, my good news, my gospel is for everybody. Everybody is precious in my sight. He said, I've got amazing grace for every single race. So, so we're going to expand and we're going to enlarge and we're going to grow in ministry by making sure that everybody hears the good news in their own language. What is God doing in that moment? I'll tell you what he's doing. He is reversing what he did in Genesis chapter 11. In Genesis chapter 11, thousands of years earlier, there was a time that people said, uh, we don't want God to be God anymore. We want to be our own God. God, we want to run our own lives. We want to do our own thing. We want to do it our own way. And we want to be our own boss. And we are no longer in need of God. And so they came together and they built this giant tower. Uh, it, it was called the Tower of Babel. And they built it as up into the heavens and 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 he, they said we're going to call it Babel uh, which it comes uh, the word babbling comes from that the tower is built and God said listen as long as they can all speak the same language then there'll be nothing that they cannot do so God comes down to earth he confuses their language and now they can no longer understand each other so they they start dispersing they start moving away some move to Africa some move to Asia some move, move to Europe but the bottom line is that they spread everywhere and their languages and their cultures spread out with them so what God is doing here at the moment that he is birthing his church thousands of years later is he's doing just the opposite of what he did back then he says no now, instead of confusing your languages, I'm going to clarify your languages because I want everybody to know how much I love them and how much I want them to be a part of my plan. So now, all of those thousands of years later, the church is everywhere. The church is in every language. There is a church. I don't care where you go. There are people, may not be a building, but there is a church. That, that you can find two or three people that will come together and they will pray and they will believe. And wherever there is a church, you will find diverse languages. And wherever there are, is diverse languages, you can find a church. You may say, wait a minute, Pastor. I, I, I only speak English. I only speak Spanish. I only speak Korean. I only speak uh, Vietnamese. Well, I'm not just talking about your international language. I'm talking about the other language languages that you have in your life so follow me here for a second mothers who have toddlers they all speak a certain language that language is unique to their circle of life and what they do and if you're outside of that you may not understand what they're saying so if I walked out here and 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 I said uh has anybody seen the binky some people will be like, what in the world is she talking about? Have you seen the pappy? Uh, uh, where are the onesies? Uh, I, I need a blankie. I need a nurser. I need a baba. Everybody don't understand that because they're not living in that world. But there is another group that would be like, yeah, I know exactly where the pappy is. It's laying over there on the couch next to the blankie, and, and there's a sippy, a sippy. Yeah, you know what a sippy is? It's a sippy cup. Everybody may not know that, but yet those who do in that circle together, it is a language that they both talk. Uh, and, and, and everybody that's not in that world, you might as well be talking hip-hop to us because we have no idea what you are talking about. And you know what? Speaking of that, some of you can do that. Some of you, you understand hip-hop and you need to take that language and you need to use that language as a bridge to connect people to the God that you serve. It's time for us as the church 
to reach other people with the gospel. And some of you, we speak in different languages. It's time for us to quit waiting for a mic. And it's time for us to start using our language. Some of you speak the language of a CEO. Some of you speak the language of an administrator. Some of you speak the language of a caregiver, of an accountant, of an entrepreneur, of a mechanic, of a retire, uh, of a person that has been retired. Some of you speak the language of hobbies. You speak the language of sports, of animals. Some of you speak the language of music and arts. And some of you speak the language of pain and grief and despair and brokenness and aloneness and abandonment and adoption. You speak all different kinds of languages. Everybody's got their own language. And God says, I need you to stop waiting for a stage. And I need you to open up and use the language that I have given you. That is the new microphone. That is the new stage. Use your language to reach people that maybe we would not ever reach. You have the power to reach them and to give them the good news of the gospel. And when you are moved by the feeling of somebody else's infirmity, that means you have a language inside of you that will enable you to connect with that person. It's your language. We need to use our language. And I want to use every single communication language that this church has. And it's not just my voice. It's not just my social media presence. It's not just the stage. It's yours as well. You have a language. And as you begin to grow and know who you are in God, you start seizing the moments. When I see somebody that's grieving, when I see somebody that's hurting because of loss, something in me rises to the occasion. And I immediately want to help you become stable. When I see you're not stable, I want to say things. I want to take you in my arms and I want to tell you everything is going to be all right. Now, that's pretty much the, the gist of what I do but at that point because I'm a good steward over what God has given me is I take you and I put you in the hands of the next person who can help you to get through that and they will put you in the hands of that person who will help you get through this and we try not to drop the ball because we understand the ball represents the people of God as the church it is time for us to quit just coming and looking and turning on and enjoying the church it is time for us to be the church our world has been rocked people are hurting people have died we've lost almost 500,000 people in America alone we have lost millions around the world and God is saying what do I have to do to get your attention I don't want you to go back to church as usual I don't want you to go back to, to getting into the church and just feeling good and hearing them sing your song and walking out and going home and forgetting about it all no I want you to have super natural power and I want you to be able I, I want my church to be multicultural uh, cultural community He's, I want that that's part of what I want my church to be that's why it happened in the upper, upper room at the birthing of the church because God said that's what I wanted from the very beginning for my church here's the third thing and I, I'm going to stop with this but the early church they used everybody's gift. In the Bible days, there was no such thing as, as, as me, one person standing up here preaching to a large crowd. That's not how it worked. No one person did that other than maybe Jesus or a couple others. But we didn't, they didn't do that because out here was not audiences. Out here was an army. And there's a difference between an audience and an army. I said there's a difference between an audience and an army. And that's what I want to make clear today. God has not called us to just be an audience in his church. He has called us to be an army. There were no spectators. There were only participators. There were no consumer uh, Christians who just 
logged on, listened in, logged off, and did absolutely nothing with what they heard. Everybody was a contributor. The audience was an army. They were participators, not spectators. And they were 100% in participation. Every age, every race, every creed, every color, every gender. This is not one of those churches where women are held down. If that's what you want, you need to find another church because it's not what God wanted and it's not what this is church. This church is made of. Everybody participated. The elders participated. The kids participated. All stages of life participated. It was a multicultural, multi-generational church and everybody was involved. In verse 14, the Bible says, then Peter, I mean, there was such so much happening there in that upper room that people started saying, they're drunk. They're, they're drunk. They've lost their mind. Peter stood up and he said, these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning, God says. He says this way, he said, I will pour out my spirit upon everybody, upon all flesh, if you read the King James. He said, your sons and your daughters will proclaim, your sons and your daughters on their level should be proclaiming the gospel. Are you hearing me today? Your sons and your daughters have the ability to connect with other sons and daughters and your children need to know how to share the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. If your children don't know how to tell it, you need to stop what you're doing and come down for a minute and educate your children because your sons and your well when my son gets older when my daughter no start right now on this level start helping them to understand this is your purpose in life this is what God has called you to do if you'll tell them that when they're seven eight nine and ten they won't lose their mind when they get 16 17 18 19 trying to figure out what's the purpose in my life no they will have a head start because mama or daddy or grandma or auntie or uncle or somebody said man you are born with this gift this is a gift that God has given you you have the ability to make people smile you have the ability to communicate what's in your heart teach them their, show them their language so that God can use them at whatever age they are to be a conduit of his power he goes on and he says your sons and your daughters will proclaim my message your young men there you go that's what I'm talking about your young men will see visions baby what are you seeing what do you, how do you see yourself what do you want to be when you grow up and as parents you get behind that and you educate them on how it is possible if that is what God wants for them your young men will see visions your old men will dream dreams yet even on my servants both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will all, all, all proclaim the message. Then everyone that calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. All of us, you know what this is saying? All of us are called to be in some form of ministry. Who did he exclude from that? He excluded nobody. He called sons. He called daughters. He called young men. He called old men. He called women. He called all. He called everybody. He called servants and he said, I will pour out my spirit upon you and you are never too old. You are never too young. You you are never too rich and you are never too poor. You have gifts and you have skills. You have abilities. Some of you have battle scars. You have stories to tell and somebody is waiting to hear your story. This, my brothers and sisters, this is how the church grew. Because they made room for every gift they made room for every language. Everybody 
did the work of ministry. It was not expected to come from a handful of people. And it's not that, that I have to see you do it. It's just that you do it, whether I see it or not. Because at the end of the day, if you only do it because I'm looking, you're faking. But if you do it because it's part of your nature, if you do it because it's what the church does, it's who we are, and I'm proud to be a part of the church. If you do it for that reason, I don't stand up here week after week and tell you everything this church does simply because I want to make us look good. No, I want you to know where your seed is going. I want you to know that it comes in, but it don't stay in. We create a flow. And God has blessed that flow. And I, that's important to me. Because if I don't create a flow, then I become like the dead sea. Nothing gets in and nothing goes out. And that same spirit attaches itself to you. But I break that off every week. Can we afford in the natural looking at paper and, and looking at all of the needs? Can we afford? Can we afford to support another church whose building was flooded when our own building was flooded? No, we just can't just afford to do that. But this ain't about what we can afford. This is about the principle of seed time and harvest. And I am a believer that if you sow when God tells you to sow, you have no other choice but to reap. That's the church. That's who we are. That's what we do. And everybody has a gift. Everybody in the original church, they did ministry. They didn't do it for position. They didn't do it for acclimates. They didn't do it for titles. They didn't do it for paychecks. I'm so honored today to stand here and speak in this great church. Last Sunday, I spoke in the Potter's House, main campus with our bishop and our first lady. I was so honored honored to do that but let me tell you something can I just keep it real the reason why I have the opportunity to stand here today and the reason why I had the opportunity to stand there at the main campus and speak to tens of thousands of people the reason I had that opportunity was because of all of the times that I spoke exhausted, traveled around the world, stood up speaking to 40 people, but giving it the best that I had. Never distracted by, let me know, let me rephrase that. Never giving less because of the number of people that were in an auditorium. Gave it everything I had. I'm not telling you this because I need you to like celebrate me. I get it. God has blessed me. But what I want to do is I want you to understand that it's only when you're faithful in a few things that God will make you ruler over many. I didn't do it for position. I didn't do it for title. I didn't do it for a paycheck. They didn't either in the early church. They did it because it was right. They did it because they were proud to be a part of the church. Real Christianity has supernatural power. It talks everybody's language. Nobody should come into this church when we open these doors and feel like they don't belong. We should talk this thing in so many different languages that everybody says, hey, I recognize that. I recognize that. Well, I know it means that to you, but here's what it means to me. We talk everybody's language. We make room for everybody to use their gift. And number four, this is the last one. We, the church offers life-changing truth. We don't just tell you 
things like maybe a self-help person would tell you, even though I love that. I'm, I'm, I'm into that. I'm into, I'm into counseling. I'm into, you know, you helping people come out of whatever. That could be your gift. I love it. Use it. But that's, that's not what really this is about. We are not here just to make you tune in and say, okay, I'm going to be a little more moral this week. I'm going to be a little more kind this week. No. We're here to tell you the truth, which is the gospel. And if we feed you the truth out of God's word, it is that truth that will make you free. And until you know the truth, the truth about you, the truth about God, the truth about your purpose, the truth about your life, the truth about death, the truth about the things that really matter in life. You will always be a slave to the culture that you're living in. You will always be a slave to the expectations of other people, a slave to people's approval, a slave to people's opinion, a slave to habits, to addiction, to peer pressure, to past mistakes, a slave to your abusive nature. Only the gospel that has the power of Jesus Christ can give you the kind of truth that you need to make you free. I'm going to stop right here. I've so run out of time, but I haven't run out of word. So I'm going to pick this up. But right now I'm going to tell you, we are not called to simply come to church. And I know this, this week has been so crazy. You're just, you're just trying to survive. You're just trying to get the mask on yourself. And like Pastor Brady, I, I don't know. I just want to breathe. If I can breathe, I can help somebody else. I get it. I understand that. But I also want to say to you that many times my blessing has come through my movement. When I could take the attention off of me and my need. If I'm holding something in my hand that's smaller than what I need, it don't do me no good to just throw this at it. What I need to do is take this and plant it into somebody else. Somebody next to you might need water. Somebody around you might just need you to pay the bill. But I'm telling you, keep casting your bread out there it will come back to you that's what we are we're to bring hope in the middle of a hopeless situation we are the church so God is saying I want you to allow my spirit to ignite you so that you can have supernatural power that you can speak somebody's language this week that you will use your gift and you will be changed by the truth that you've heard in this place today. Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to have you join us online every Sunday morning at 9 and 11.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. Streaming live at www.tphnd.org watchnow or through our Potter's House North app.